Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome to the Runs Roll podcast with me, Rick Pearson. Me, Ben Hobson. And me, the special guest host who you've never met before, Jane Maguire. Oh, <laughs> oh Jane. Jane, welcome. Thanks for joining us this time. What a shock. I'm back. <laughs> oh, there we go. Well, today we're talking with Franny Benali, football cult hero, about his amazing transformation from tough tackling footballer to a thoroughly nice man who runs a long way for good causes. So it's, uh, and a thoroughly, thoroughly nice man he is too. He's very nice, isn't he? Very, very nice yep. bloke. Um, hey, but so let's keep it on the terraces, right? <laughs> segue uh there was a uh with some beer chat oh lovely all right uh so if you don't drink beer sorry about that um which you know but uh, and it's this is all science-based so get ready (laughs) um there was published in the international journal of sports nutrition and exercise metabolism a system systematic review of beer and exercise um we published something in the magazine about um, beer being actually like really good for you as a well, really good, generous being okay as a hydration, like a post-race hydration drink. But if you stick, if you keep the the alcohol volume quite low, and basically this big chunk of science, which um, sort of uh, reviews lots of different studies uh, that have taken place over the years, uh, has concluded that drum roll. Mm. Um. <laughs> what a strange drum Edit roll <laughs> so it wasn't it more of a sort of jingle in general low alcohol beer seems to be the most effervacious when individuals are looking to quickly rehydrate post-exercise i'm just gonna quickly um, google what effervacious means just yeah, for, i mean that like for a me. barocca <laughs> put a barocca in your beer um, hold on. E double It means, it means uh, success from producing a desired or intended result. Effective. Oh, okay. Oh, not right, Barocca. Cool. A Barocca is effective no, at hydrating it too, is. though, right? Yeah. Mm, so. We're choosing a beer of higher, <laughs> higher in uh, alcoholic um, content post exercise, which is, I think is four percent ish. It's wise to pair it with a non-alcoholic rehydration options to mitigate alcohol-induced diuresis. Okay. Does that not she mean said, have a beer but have water too? Yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> cool. Particularly when exercise-induced <laughs> fluid loss are large. So it's basically saying, some if of, you drink loads, some of these studies, Ben, like, like, like this, I know. Is, this has been commissioned, isn't it? And it's like, um, imagine, like, actually, if you're going to drink, if you're going to drink beer, drink low, low, like ABV, and also have a water. Like, oh, thanks. 
Oh, cool. Thanks for that stuff. Anyway, cool, cool, look, cool. guys, this is science. You're sounding sorry, very sorry. pessimistic about my fantastic <laughs> bit of science that I just shared with you. No, um, it's groundbreaking. Watch out. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Glad they're spending time on that, to be honest. It's the yeah, so study there's, there's, the world needs. <laughs> I've seen your beer, your beer um, stats, Ben, and I'm going to raise yeah. you some science about the wall. Okay. This is not the Danny Dyer show. This is the wall, the marathon wall, that can be hit around mile 22 of the 26.2 mile popular challenge a huge new study of marathon splits and finish times provides us with more information on hitting the wall than ever before so i'm just going to give you some highlights from this so who suffers more from hitting the wall fast or slow runners actually it's fast it's faster faster runners which is a bit counterintuitive perhaps but um the uh the author said that's probably results because faster runners are associated with higher costs when they hit the wall perhaps because they're pushing a little harder so actually when if they hit it they hit it hard um nice when are you most likely to hit the wall in your running career are you, is it like your first marathon or, or last marathon let me tell you both men and women are most likely to hit the wall in the three years prior to their pb effort um, this is a period when you're improving, pushing your limits, but haven't yet mastered the distance. So during this period, 40% of men are likely to hit the wall versus 28% of women who are just better at avoiding the wall as a rule. There you go. So, so that's, fast it really men is. will crash into that wall <clears throat> harder than slow women. Yeah. And or any women. One. A bit, I think there's some discrepancy when people think, when people think the wall happens, but according to this data... For, for men, the distance to the wall was 18.4 miles, and women tended mm-hmm. to hit the wall at 18.2 miles. Um, and, and the wall tended to last around six miles for both. Quite a long wall. Very big wall. Mm. So Huge. I think that a lot of people think that a marathon, uh, like they'd be almost be surprised if they started hurting, you know, hitting a wall at 18. And they'd be like, oh, I've got it madly wrong. I, I should be hitting the wall at like 22. But I actually think that the 18 to 22 mark of the marathon is... That's those. Those are the key miles because at twenty two you are quite close, quite close to the finish. Yeah, it's true. In your head, you've kind of got that mm. psychological thing of being like, "Oh, come on, last bit." Yeah, yeah, true. So I, that was a the hottest there. take. The hottest take from that is just it really goes to show how long term marathon goals mm. ha- are. If it's three years before your PB totally that you agree. hit that, totally agree. Then it just goes to show like anyone who's out there like training for their marathon and they're really struggling like. Don't worry, you've got another five years of this. <laughs> but I think it's 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 in some ways can be positive, can't it? Like um, I think if you if you set yourself a genuinely ambitious marathon target, wh- whatever time that is, yeah. I think you are looking at uh, probably a two year um project and maybe a three marathon project within that time where you're like yeah. you get somewhere, you get a marker down, you get it wrong, you get close, and then yeah. and then you do it. I mean, that's kind of what happened with you, Jane, with like going under four, wasn't it? It wasn't like yeah, 100%. you nailed it after one time. Hit the wall really hard. First marathon. Second marathon, didn't drink enough. Maybe I was... Maybe I should have read Ben's study about having a beer. Sure, a beer. I am <laughs> celiac, about... though, so I don't know how that would work. Mm. Gluten-free? Um, gluten-free beer. Yeah, maybe. And then, yeah, third marathon. don't really remember a wall. Maybe that's a good thing. I think that's it. The, the wall, I don't think, is an inevitability either. It's like... Uh... It's a lot to do with like how well you've trained, how well you've paced, mm. and how well you've um, fueled yourself on the day. And I think also like there's there's a psychological aspect to, to the wall as well, where it's like the marathon will get hard, you know, after like 18 miles. That doesn't necessarily mean you've hit a wall. It's just that's actually just it's just an incredibly tough thing to ask your your body to do. So it's 
familiarity as well any race yeah. that you get used to doing the wall will seem less obvious because you know what's coming Don't whereas you? that first time you go in a training plan most people will not run more than 20 22 miles yeah i think so yeah so you sort of backdate a bit of that effort and sort of the day and the occasion and all those sorts of things and mm. that's probably why 18 is suddenly raises its ugly head yeah. at 18 and goes oh this is hard yeah completely completely but i think yeah it's an interesting study i mean like like pacing it tends it seems to be it's not like hitting the walls a male problem but we it tends to be men seems to be slightly um well better at hitting the wall which is obviously a negative thing um compared to but you made it sound good well done yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, i've made it sound all right i've made it sound all right so so we've got a look we've got a footballer coming on uh, later and i know that neither of you i wouldn't say either of you are massive football fans is that fair to say or not go on the leads uh, <laughs> no, no, not uh, oh, football. Not really, mate. To be honest, no. Well, I'm going to give you. I'll give you a quick potted history of uh, Francis Vincent Bernali's uh, playing career, just so you're up to speed. So, Good, do it. He is a cult hero. He spent almost all of his playing career at Southampton, representing the club 389 times, which is a lot, isn't it? That's a, a lot, lot of games. Um, he's remembered for being an uncompromising, old-fashioned style defender who notched up no fewer than 11 red cards. That's almost a record. I'm not sure there's that many players in the Premier League. When you say old-fashioned, that just makes it sound like he used to just ha- like hack people down. I think he was quite, he was quite physical, quite a physical player. Gotcha, um, right. Uh, but yeah, but his post-football life is, is amazing. So he's, t- he's sort of transformed into this amazing endurance athlete. Um, he's run incredible feats he's raised more than a million pounds for, for cancer research and he also won an mbe for his for his efforts um uh, earlier this year so it's uh it'd be great to catch up with him so i think sh- should we bring on our, our guest of the week yeah let's do it guest of the week here in the studio guest of the week sometimes on the phone could be an athlete could be a physio or a complete unknown well, welcome to the Runners World podcast. Great to have you on, and thanks very much for, for making the time to speak with us. It's an absolute pleasure. No, thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to to trying to answer the questions as, as best as I can. Well, yeah, because I do think that your um, sort of transformation, your career is amazing. Because most Premier League footballers probably spend their post football years on the golf course, um, but not you. You've been kind of motivated to keep pushing yourself in these amazing endurance challenges. So, I mean. Why did you? Why did you want to do that? Well, uh, I, I guess I was pretty lousy on a golf course, Rick. To be honest, so uh, I had to <laughs> find something else. But um, no, I guess um, I guess sort of beyond my playing days, I, you know, fitness and running and the way I've lived my life throughout my professional career was was always just became almost a lifestyle for me. You know, I've never drunk, I've never smoked. I, I you know, I took my my approach to football very seriously, and uh, you know, just enjoyed running. You know, that's always been my my go to thing, if you like. Uh, and as the years went by around the 2006 London Marathon got a real buzz from that really enjoyed the occasion Uh, and then you know started to see some of the wonderful things people around the world were doing from an endurance perspective and it just planted a little bit of a seed I I wondered how I could respond and react in those sort of environments the ultra endurance world Uh, but there was also an element of you know what what are my boundaries? How far can I push myself? And where's that breaking point for me personally? As long as, uh, sorry, as well as at the same time, raising a huge amount of money and trying to do some good for great causes at the same time. Did you ever step off the pitch or and like have a game where you've, 
you've known that you've run further. I'm always intrigued about because there's always these stats at the end of like a game when when they say like a player covered 10k or something during a match. Well, I guess Ben, quite fortunately, in in my era, there was there was not really the the stats and the data to, to yeah, sort right. of say how far you'd ran. You know, if a manager had come in at the end of a game and said you haven't worked hard enough today, you could almost come back with an argument. But nowadays, they just produce the data, and uh, you know, it's all there in in black and white. But um, yeah, I'd, there were some games. It's weird. I mean, you you almost become accustomed to know to what intensity to run at to almost last that. 90 plus however few minutes extra in a game um but you always know it's a 90 minute time frame that you're going to be running around in and i guess you learn to take those little breathers within a game when there's like maybe like a little break in play a goal kick a throw in those sort of things and the ball might be in a in an area of the pitch where you can take almost like a for want of a better expression a, a little short breather um but yeah there were certainly games when you know just depending on how you were playing maybe the opposition making it difficult for you where you would come off like feeling it a little bit more than than normal. So um, yeah, but it's just I guess something when you're training for it day in day out, you become very accustomed to what you need to do. Is there any crossover with? I don't really know how footballers train. Is there any crossover between training for like a running race and a football match, or is it a completely different? Uh, I, I guess from the experiences I've had now, Jane, from my career in football and and doing these challenges in recent years. Um, I, during my playing career, you know, my endurance was nowhere near to the level of what I was doing these challenges. You know, I was just getting my body used to in recent times to to run a mile after mile, hour after hour, day after day. Um, my body, I think, has gone more in line with a bit of an ultra endurance athlete sort of figure. Um, I was probably a little bit more muscular during my playing days. I was never the biggest. You know, I've always you know, I'm only five foot nine, but as I say, running was always something that I felt very comfortable with. Uh, I was pretty quick in, in, in a football sense. Uh, but, you know, it's that explosive speed and stop-start within football. That's almost very different to just putting one foot in front of the other and running mile after mile. I think you're known as being a very kind of tenacious, tough-tackling player. There's a real kind of intensity to the way that you play football. Do you think that's been... You've brought the same kind of intensity to these running challenges or have they, in fact, been a kind of way of of releasing some of that intensity? Uh, yeah, interesting question, Rick. I, I, I think it's probably, best way to answer it is a bit of both, really. Um, I, I, I certainly know I've, I've had to, you know, dig deep within me and all of us as runners at some point, you know, whether it's a training session or you're, you're doing an, an ultra-endurance event, whatever it may be, there, there always seems to be that moment where each and every one of us has that moment where you've either got to, you know, run through some, physical discomfort or mental discomfort, whatever it may be, um, and overcome those little hurdles. But uh, yeah, it, it's, it's something I think that, you know, I, I've enjoyed running. I, I enjoy running first and foremost. So, you know, I think that helps when you want to do something and you get pleasure from doing something like that. Uh, but yeah, the, 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 the challenges um, push me to levels that, yeah, I, I, I never thought, you know, some pretty dark places as well, whether that's on a you know, a daily basis or, you know, just, just trying to get through, you know, the next mile, the next five minutes or just putting one foot in front of the other. You know, it's, sometimes it was, it was pretty tough and pretty hard. But I guess when you've got a purpose and a reason to, to be doing that challenge in the first place, then, 
those sort of things enable me to push push me through those tough moments. I mean, one of your challenges was involved running to every football ground. Um, so, I mean, that that I mean, I I imagine that that could be an endless task if you sort of de- depending <laughs> how low down the leagues you want to go. <laughs> no, it's just Premier League. Premier League. You yeah. could really keep that going. You could be every single town in the country. <laughs> every <yeah>. Sunday league. <laughs> yeah. but the thing was, when we came up with the concept of that challenge to run into all the Premier League grounds, you know, I, I thought it was a great idea because it, 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 it was a connection to my career as a footballer. But when we made the decision to actually write, this is what the challenge is going to be. At the time, it was, obviously before we knew who was going to be relegated, who was going to be promoted to the division when we set the, the date for the actual challenge. So depending on what clubs went up and down would have determined oh, right. effectively where I ran to. And and I was so pleased that Norwich got relegated <laughs> that season because they were right out on a limb. Um, we had Swansea that were in the, the Premier League at the time at one point and I had to run from Swansea uh, right across into London, almost like following the, the, the pathway of the M4 corridor um but yeah Norwich seemed to be one that was uh, a little bit out of the way in the sticks but it come back to bite me a little bit because they were included when I, I did the Premier League and Championships clubs in the, in the second challenge right there we go we had some we've, we've had some uh Rick you'll have to you'll know it was a Scott of Scott oh yeah it's Scott, mm, Scott Cunliffe, Scott yeah, Cunliffe. Scott he was a uh a football he he was uh that was a Burnley, Burnley around, fan he? and he ran he ran I saw yeah, that every yeah, game. I did see that. Yeah, it was amazing. Incredible. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, that's that's a big commitment over the course of a a season, wasn't it? Yeah. He was going to all the away yeah. games. Yeah. Yeah. I accompanied him. He was going down to um. He's going down to Brighton, and I, I joined him for about ten miles. Um, I was wearing my Palace kit, so I felt like I, that was like a good sort of provocative <laughs> uh, choice on on the way to Brighton. Um, can I ask you what felt better, Franny, scoring your one? Uh, Premier League goal for Southampton or, or finishing one of these endurance events? Oh, wow. What a, what a question. Um, <laughs> that's a tough one. Um, well, one, one goal in near, nearly 400 appearances suggests I was never prolific. So um, I, I wish there'd been a few more goals in my career and a few less red cards. But uh, I, I think look, looking back on, on, on my career as a player and, and the challenges we've done, um, you know, both were very much team, quite naturally, football is a team environment. I couldn't have done any of these challenges without my family and, and a, a support team around me as well to complete them. So they, they were both team challenges in my in one sense, but I guess the challenges were very much a, an individual challenge for me as well. So I'd probably say, to be honest, accomplishing or finishing these challenges would surpass any pleasure or enjoyment I got from scoring a one and only goal, I think. <laughs> I don't know, though. <laughs> That one, that one goal. Talking of your challenges, you attempted to run seven Iron Ironmans. Ironman? What's, yeah. Is it Ironmans? What, what's going to happen to the neck there? It's not. It doesn't make sense. In seven days, why? And was that as horrible as it sounds on paper? Yeah, it was pretty brutal, Jane. Um, the, the 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 idea for the last challenge was the very the very first challenge. We've touched on it. It was a run to every Premier League stadium um, and to make it a challenge, you know, I mentioned just a moment ago, we had no idea what clubs were going to be in the division at that point. Um, so we hadn't, you know, the, the route had not been mapped at that stage. I was a bit shocked when it actually got looked at seriously, mapping the route. It was, 
you know, over 800 miles, I think it was. So to, to make it a challenge for me, I wanted to be running, you know, a pretty big distance. I didn't want to be doing this over three, four, five months, whatever it was. So, you know, it was a three-week challenge and it was running approximately 40 miles a day every day for the, the three weeks. So it was, it was a one-discipline challenge over three weeks. The second challenge, I was conscious that I'd put my family and myself, I guess, but also the support team through the strain and stresses of a three-week challenge, living on the road, constantly on the move, and all the strains and pressures that brings. But we were conscious of trying to bring the time frame down. So for the second challenge, we thought, well, let's let's shorten it to two weeks, but add a second discipline. So I added the cycling to it this time. And the second challenge was going to all the Premier League grounds, plus the championship clubs, 44 clubs in two weeks this time where I was running a marathon each morning and then getting on the bike and cycling at least 75 miles each day. Um, so there was almost like a bit of a natural flow getting to the iron, what we called the iron Fran challenge. Um, it sort of worked quite well, a little play on words, but I thought, well, we've had one discipline, then two, let's add the swimming. It seemed to be the obvious thing, but maybe just make it a week long. Yeah. Um, and not being a, a swimmer either or, what I would call proper swimmer um, brought that its own challenges in itself. But, you know, we actually came up with the concept, my wife and I, we were on a, a cruise on a sunbed in the middle of the Mediterranean. And um, I was trying to think of things to do. And uh, I, I, I guess rather silly mentioned to my wife, I said, I've got, got an idea for the last challenge. So she said, okay, what is it? And I said, I'll, I'll just run and run and run until I collapse and drop. <laughs> and, and, she just said, okay. well, that is just ridiculous. <laughs> please isn't it? please you know, don't. Yeah. You know, as, yeah. as if we're all going to, you know, you'll eventually collapse maybe at one point and everyone will stand around cheering and clapping because the challenge is over. Um, so I quickly realized that that was a daft idea. Um, but yeah, well, I just thought, well, let's add another discipline, make it a week long challenge. And I thought, well, you know, an Ironman distance triathlon is, I guess, many people's eyes like an ultimate sort of three discipline challenge and um yeah it, it just thought made sense it felt comfortable and that's what we went for you know 2.4 mile swim 112 miles on the bike followed by a marathon each day for seven days was was the target wow so it's a strong the um have you if if you as you had the idea of running until you've dropped have you seen the backyard ultra stuff which is essentially that concept where you just basically run as far as you can for as long as you can is that does that is that you know it, that sounds like something you'd quite enjoy <laughs> oh you know I, I, it, at one point ben yeah. maybe I, I i think i would have done but uh just just knowing how there's some extreme bonkers things that you know people take on isn't there and uh yeah maybe but um you know i've, I've, I've got to be a little bit mindful i'm not sort of the youngest sort of uh man anymore and uh you know the the it comes those challenges with 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 life and fitness and things but yeah i i think my mindset I'd, I'd probably still like to take something on i when when i was researching stuff you know coming up with an idea or something to do for a challenge i, I you know quite naturally there was the football connection and theme and then i started to think well do i need to take it overseas maybe you know some wonderful things around the world and i remember seeing things like the the, the bad water ultra marathon you know that that really sort of captured me at one point but then I, I think there was quite a, a selection process wasn't there to, to 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 qualify for that or get picked or selected so yeah I sort of turned away from that again but who, who knows maybe there's something around the world that would be good to get involved with again yeah, absolutely 
This is the Runner's World Podcast. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. You're, you're a proper cult hero, Franny. Like, there's, there are pictures of you, I've heard, that, like, that Southampton fans put around the world. So they can, you can find, like, little kind of, you know, stickers of Franny on, like, the Golden Gate Bridge and, like, in Rio and stuff. So you're, you're a proper, like, genuine cult hero in football. But do you have, like, do you have running heroes? Is there anyone that you kind of look up to in the, in the running world? Uh, I, I think I cast my mind back. I mean, as, as a young boy growing up and going to school, you know, I, I, I just loved sport. Sport was the thing. I almost went to school for PE whether that was playing football in the playground, athletics, cricket, rugby, whatever it may have been. I, over the years, I had to sort of focus and then devote more time to the, the football side. But um, I, I, I can remember as a youngster growing up, there was obviously sort of like Steve Ovet and, you know, Seb Coe and guys like that, you know, that I remember watching on television. And football was always my thing, don't get me wrong. And that's what I was always wanted to become. But I always admired the athletic side. I, I, I think I held a... An, an under-13s hurdles Hampshire record for about 15, 20 years or something yeah. silly. Um, but I, mean, I was quite big as a youngster, so I was almost like just walking over the hurdles <laughs> for, as a young boy at the time. But yeah, I, I guess more modern day stuff, I've, I've, I've always been intrigued, especially with getting in, 
involved in these challenges, you know, the, the, the things people do. And I guess maybe more recently, just seeing Kipchoge's sub two hour marathon thing is just mind blowing, isn't it? I mean, you know, my, my, my daughter does some, um, you know, she's a, a broadcaster and a presenter and she was doing some work, I think up in Manchester a few months ago. Um, and it was at an event and they had, you know, one of those big treadmills that they set at the pace that Kipchoge was going. And I remember seeing a bit of footage of her running on that. And it's a, like a flat out sprint, sprint isn't it? Yeah. Sprinting, yeah. It is yeah. a sprint. Yeah. And, and you think, how on earth does yeah. you know he or anybody like that sustain that kind of pace for as long as they do is just incredible. So, yeah, I guess he's he's one that I, I, I look up to at the moment. Totally, totally. And, I mean, you've gone from being like a professional footballer to going on a cruise and thinking of ways where you can run until you drop. Do you think that is mindset is like, can you just go for a run or do you need that? You need that challenge, that goal that like, do you need that? Is that part of your kind of being, I guess? Yeah, I, I, I think it is really Jane. I think, um, you know, as a professional footballer, you've always got a goal, whether that's, you know, to stay in the team or try and get back into the team or, you know, on a week by week basis, coming up against an opponent. So there's there's always a, a short term goal to work towards. So there's always that sort of focus in, in my life and keeping the fitness levels and everything and staying fit during the career. But I I guess maybe that's why I ran the London, London Marathon, you know, just going out for a run to a degree is great. And there's times and places where that is great. And, I, you know, I feel I need that. And, and I enjoy that just going out for a run and enjoying the fact of just getting a, a sweat on getting a little blow and, and and knowing that I've done something. Um, but at the same time, I think there's a big part of me that I need and helps to have a goal of working towards something rather than just going out for a run and doing other things just for the sake of keeping mm. fit. Uh, so yeah, having, having those sort of goals certainly helped me. I think, I think that, <clears throat> I mean, we, we've, we've rattled through some of your big, your big challenges, but I think that this isn't just like a masochistic thing that you're doing for your own benefit because you've raised millions of pounds for cancer research um doing all these things so what does that what does that charity mean to you i mean apart from obviously raising money brings a whole element of sort of you know gusto when it comes to setting these challenges but what does that char charity mean to you uh it, it means so much ben i mean uh, you know when i sat down and wanted to to, to raise a big sum of money for a, you know, a great cause. Um, cancer research, uh, you know, cancer is something that has touched us as a family. It had done before. I, I set off on a single foot on, on, on these challenges. Um, and it's, it's touched us and, and affected us. We've lost family and friends through the period of the challenges as well. Um, and that just reinforces, you know, I guess trying to raise the money for such a great cause. It, it was a big challenge uh, in many ways, the very first one like they all were in some shape or form. But when I was asked about an actual figure, I knew I wanted to raise some money without really knowing a figure as such. And when I sat down with a couple of re representatives from Cancer Research UK, they said, well, you know, just out of interest, how, how much would you like to try and raise for us? And uh, I thought, well, it's a big challenge. Let's pluck a big number. And I, I picked a million pound out on the head almost from nowhere, um, not, not really realizing quite how difficult it is to raise that sort of sum of money. Hence, why it took three challenges to try and to try and reach that target, but um, yeah, it, it, it was a uh, it was a big driving factor for me. Put it that way, you know, knowing 
you know, through the process in, in the connection with Cancer Research UK, we, you know, I met many people around the country who were, were, were fighting their own battles and, and, and had been touched by cancer. And, and that was a big driving force that helped me almost on a day-to-day basis through the challenges as well. That's great. Can we talk a bit about your, um, your book, Brandon? Because uh, Francis Bernardi, the autobiography is out. It's also got a great subhead, which is Football Man to Iron Fran. So congratulations on that alone. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I mean, this charts your whole career, doesn't it? From sort of early life to football to sort of the latter day endurance stuff. It does. Yeah, I, I, I guess like, you know, any autobiography, you feel that you've got to almost put your, your, your entire life down in print. And, and that's a, a challenging thing. It's an emotional thing. It's, uh, it's, it's an enjoyable thing as well, really, especially at this stage now where the, the book has been produced. Um, it's, it's been a you know a, a year to two year concept and process it's been you know you've gone through every range of emotions really and it's I guess it's just trying to to make it a, a read that is um, is truthful and factual uh, as well as enjoyable for anyone that's reading it and and I certainly hope that you know my background as a, as a, as a person uh, also my playing career and and, and then I, I guess in recent times the the, the, the challenges, you know, people will be inspired, you know, because I, I very much saw myself as someone of limited ability from a football point of view and, and how I made up for that in determination and effort. And I'm sure those sort of qualities were, were needed in the challenges as well. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been quite a process. Um, I'm pleased it's on the shelf now. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just great to, to sort of finally see it. Actually, I could give it. I know, I know people, you can't see, but for you for your benefits, there, there you go. There's is. a little copy on my... <laughs> on my desk here look so, at the size um, of that shirt yeah, it's, it's, those sh- this kit used to be so big didn't it <laughs> oh do, do you know what the even the, the short sleeves that yeah. i used to wear were like a, a, a long sleeve shirt they were that baggy and big you know and none, none of the sort of tight fitting yeah. body form shirts that we see nowadays <laughs> franny thanks so much for making the time to, to come on the one as well podcast talk about um yeah your footballing career but also more importantly your your, your running career which is um remarkable and yeah the autobiography is out now so if anyone's listening to this and, and wants to get hold of it then they can do and uh, yes thanks again for your time it's an absolute pleasure take thanks care guys lot. so that brings us to the end of this week's run as well podcast thanks very much to our guest franny Bernali, and to you of course for listening you can of course subscribe to just three issues of run as well for five pounds head over to hearstmagazines.co.uk slash the run as well podcast to get this exclusive listener offer or dive right in get 12 issues that's one every single month of the whole year what a lovely treat that'll be think about christmas it's coming it's not but do it anyway we don't need to tell you if you're still listening that you can listen to the runners world podcast on acast itunes and all your favorite apps but we would really love it if you subscribed so yeah click subscribe and thanks for listening and we'll see you again next week Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. 
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.